Friends podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Singer. I'm a Christian writer and blogger living in the beautiful state of Alaska. I'm also a trauma survivor and a mental health advocate. I've been through some tough things in my life, and I'm sure you have too. Grace Moments is about helping you hold on to belief in your darkest hours, embrace hope by knowing your suffering is never wasted, and be inspired by the stories of others who have survived their own tragedy. Life, however difficult, can be a meaningful journey, and I'm here to walk it with you. So let's do this together. Hallelujah. The word is used as an expression of gratitude and adoration, an exclamation of praise used in worship to God. Many of us think of it in terms of the positive, blessing God for prayers answered, gifts granted, happiness experienced, even relationship with Him. But the truth is, sometimes life deals us a hard hand, and the only hallelujah we have is a broken one, a hard thanks, a moan instead of a shout, a cry of anguish and tears instead of one of joy. In times such as these, finding the capacity within yourself to still bless God can be difficult, more like nearly impossible. When it feels like he has left you altogether and seems to care little for what is going on in your life, when it appears as though what he's giving is more harsh than good, the last thing you probably think of doing, or want to do for that matter, is to tell God, thank you. It seems to go against everything the human spirit is indicating to you at that point. If it's said at all, it's probably with a hint of sarcasm. Thanks, God, for putting me in this position. A lot of help you are. Yet the reality is, thanks is commanded of us regardless of circumstances. It is. And there's even scientific data to show that those who can practice gratitude in challenging or painful situations are less stressed and more peaceful than those who don't. If thanks is so important, it's a wonder we don't practice it more and especially when it's proven to make a way for hope through hard things, that how much more critical for us to learn how to tap into it if we're going to survive the blows of life. Today we're going to talk about the necessity of gratitude and why its presence is essential for not only our best moments, but also our worst, and why we should be employing its power not just one day a year, but every day. Join me for a little lesson in Thanksgiving. And let's get started. As I was preparing for this episode and figuring out what angle I wanted to take on the topic of gratitude and thanks, I kept coming back to a biblical theme that appears several times in the New Testament regarding the life and ministry of Jesus. And it's simply this. Jesus made a habit of joining breaking with thanksgiving. Let me show you what I mean. At the feeding of the 5,000, we read in Matthew 14, 19, And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. At the feeding of the 4,000 in Matthew 15, 36, we find this. He took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them. As Jesus is having the Last Supper with his disciples before heading to the cross, it says in Luke twenty-two nineteen, And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, 
This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Following the resurrection, when he meets two of his disciples walking on the road to Emmaus, we read that they didn't realize it was Jesus who had joined them until they were sitting at supper. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Are you catching the pattern here? In every one of these instances, we see Jesus giving thanks and then breaking the bread before giving it. This struck me as being very powerful because how often do we really think of God's gifts coming to us in the form of broken things? How often do we pause and reflect on the fact that all shattered parts of our story have a blessing hidden in them, that Christ has already made provision to sanctify our pain to us in the form of goodness, even when it hurts deeply? Even as Jesus was teaching the disciples about the practice we now know as Holy Communion, he commanded them to break the bread in remembrance of him, because after all, Our future salvation came through the breaking of his physical body. His wounds paved a way for our redemption. When the Father sent his Son to earth in human form, he did so with the blessing that he was well pleased in what was to come. Thus, Jesus' entire earthly ministry was done with the intention of being a broken offering for the saving of mankind. Looking at this further, There's far more in here than just an establishing of a liturgical procedure that's been followed for centuries. Not only did Jesus set up this thanks to broken pattern in his prayers and shared meals on earth, he lived it out by giving his life because he so loved the world. And by asking his followers to give thanks and be broken gifts also, he was inviting them to participate in his broken way toward wholeness that just as his wounds provided the way for ultimate good, so he would bless the wounds we receive to our good as well. In the simplest terms possible, these passages and their explained actions of Christ showcase the following principle. All true gratitude comes out of broken things, and the key is learning to give God thanks for all of it, and not just what feels thanksworthy. Turning now to the scientific proof of this, there is a lot of data out there that reveals just how powerful and necessary a regular practicing of gratitude can be for our mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual health. A study done in the early 2000s noted that simply journaling for five minutes a day about something we're grateful for can enhance our long-term happiness by over 10% and have the same physiological impact as financial gain. Other research has shown an increase in physical well-being and self-esteem when regular gratitude is being practiced, leading to a decrease in forms of mental distress such as depression and suicidal thoughts. It has also been shown to reduce envy and make us more resilient, as well as lower our stress levels and cause better quality of sleep. On a social level, people who are generally more thankful have been shown to have access to a wider social network more friends, and better relationships on average, according to a study done in 2014. When individuals make it a focus of their daily life to practice gratitude, research shows they are more optimistic, more giving, have a reduced reliance on materialism, are less impatient and make better decisions, find more meaning in their work, and become better leaders. Researchers have also noticed that thankfulness plays a huge part in personal recovery, When people are trying to overcome substance abuse, 
mental or emotional distress, or even physical health problems. When we put all this information together and return to the fact that the Bible puts a great emphasis on gratitude and thanksgiving, we can start to see why. God knows that it's not only right that we find ways to praise him in whatever situations we find ourselves in, but also it's good for us because it centers our bodies, minds, and souls around the unshakable truth of God's love and goodness, regardless of circumstances. As author Ann Voskamp writes so well, gratitude is not only a response to God in good times, it's ultimately the very will of God in hard times. Gratitude isn't only a celebration when good things happen. It's a declaration that God is good no matter what happens. So how do we begin to implement greater thanksgiving into our lives, particularly when things feel like they're going south? How do we start living out the broken way of gratitude when painful things stare us right in the face? Well, in my opinion, there are two key truths we must learn if we're going to start living a life of greater praise and appreciation in the midst of hard things. First, thankfulness comes in remembering. You've heard me say it many times in previous episodes that our brains are wired to focus one thought at a time on whatever we most frequently dwell on, and that whatever we've conditioned our brains to see as reality, it will keep on looking for evidence to support. This means that the object of our thoughts is highly impactful. The more we worry and overthink and focus on the problems we are facing, the more likely we are to forget the goodness of God as stress hormones race through our bodies, clouding our mental judgment and distancing us from the core truths that can center us in times of trial. The more we try to solve our issues on our own and turn away from the past exhibited faithfulness of God towards us, the less we will be able to see him working in the midst of whatever we're going through. When you look back into the Old Testament, you see the ancient Israelites erecting an altar and offering the sacrifices to God following a great deliverance or victory. It was from these acts of grateful praise that we get the concept and word of Ebenezer, a stone of help. In Bible times, these marked the spot where God's promises to bless his repentant people had been honored, and he had come through in tangible intervention on their behalf. Throughout our own lives, we each have our own Ebenezer memories, moments or seasons in life where the hand and care of God was shown to us in a powerful way, and we had no choice but to respond in humble thanksgiving. As the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, beautifully says, Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thine help I've come. Remembering the divine assistance and support of God in all times is essential to figuring out a way to bless him even when life is hard. All through the Bible we see God telling the Jewish people, and by extension us, to reflect and call to mind over and over the way God has helped you in the past. Deuteronomy 6.12 Take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Deuteronomy 8.12 You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these forty years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Psalm 77.11 I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. Psalm 103.2 Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Deuteronomy 32.7 Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you, your elders and they will teach you. Again and again we are reminded 
to keep the past works of God at the forefront of our minds because it's easier to be thankful when you can recall the ways God never let you down in the past. It gives you hope for the future when you can turn around and say, God showed up here and here and here and here, and I can hold on to the truth that he will do so again now. I may not know how or when, but I can count on the fact that he will without a doubt. In more recent history, we've seen this evident in the likes of men such as George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, who used the means of a presidential proclamation to call for thanks throughout the United States following important events in American history. On October 3, 1789, Washington sent out a proclamation that the upcoming November 26th be set aside as a day of reflecting on the goodness of God in the events that led to the founding of our nation. He eloquently wrote, Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th November next, to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country. In much the same vein, Lincoln, while in the throes of the Civil War, invited his fellow citizens to set apart and observe the last Thursday in November as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens, and to fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of this nation. Other presidents have followed suit and done the same in encouraging the citizenry to pause and be thankful for their blessings. The point here in all of this is that remembering is crucial. If you don't remember, you lose sight of what God has done, and this can easily lead you to complaint and unbelief and hopelessness. Recalling God's goodness releases thanksgiving. The second key truth is, thankfulness comes in practicing the but. What I mean by this is, if you look at the Psalms, David was a master at implementing the perspective shift. Over and over we see times when he was in a really bad way, venting and lamenting to God about his situations, struggling to see a way out. And then there's almost always a flip that occurs. It's not like David suddenly denies the reality that his distress still exists. It's just that he now invites God into the problem and reminds himself that God had acted in the past, and he will act again. Closely tied to the previous point, this action of making yourself see the other side of the issue is necessary if you're going to thank God in whatever difficulty you find yourself. Notice a few examples of this from David's pen. In Psalm 13, he has just spent four previous verses crying out, How long to God? and calling for an answer in his trouble. Then comes verses 5 and 6. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Psalm 38. David spells out in great detail his inner anguish before God, talking about all those who seek his life and how his strength fails him. Yet then we reach verse 15. But for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord my God, who will answer. In Psalm 55, David describes a situation where he is experiencing great rejection from someone who he previously trusted in. 
He tells God he wishes he had wings like a dove so he could fly away and be at peace. He calls for justice on those who have done him wrong. And then he comes to verse 16 where he says, But I call to God, and the Lord will save me. I could list many more examples of times when David exhibited this strategy of shifting his focus from one of despair to one of hope, of willingly turning his thoughts off his difficulty and on to Christ himself as a source of comfort and confidence in the face of suffering. This is living evidence of the fact that two things can simultaneously be true. You can still mourn the presence of your pain while also acknowledging the presence and provision of God. You can sit with the heartache of your loss or struggle and also find reason to rest in his steadfastness. Turning your gaze toward God doesn't mean you just forget about whatever challenges you're going through. It just means that you're reminding your challenges who is really in control. You're telling your thoughts that feelings aren't facts and that there are bigger factors in play than just what you're presently seeing or experiencing. In the case of David, he practiced this in the face of running from his enemies, hiding out in caves, and living life as a warrior who knew his eventual destiny was the kingdom of Israel. Life was hard for him, no doubt, but he knew who his God was, and in that he took refuge time and again. His was truly a broken hallelujah, a sacrifice of praise. In fact, in Psalm fifty-one seventeen, he actually said that the real sacrifices of God were a broken spirit and a contrite heart. In the case of Washington and Lincoln, their thanks stem from the challenges of guiding a nation through war. None of these words we've quoted today were spoken from a place of prosperity. The gratitude came because something had broken. The gifts of God's mercy, care, and intervention were praiseworthy precisely because things had been so bad and uncertain. Even the holiday itself we celebrate here in the U.S. every fall had its roots in the early pilgrims setting aside a time of thankfulness following the harshest winter of their lives and over half their original party dying from disease. And this is what I hope to leave you with today. Whatever it is you're going through, let our discussion here encourage you to start finding ways to tell God thank you, even when it hurts. As the old hymn When Morning Gills the Skies puts it, the night becomes this day when from the heart we say, May Jesus Christ be praised. The powers of darkness fear when this sweet chant they hear. May Jesus Christ be praised. Anne Voskamp reminds us that the prince of darkness is ultimately a spoiled ingrate and that all of us have spent much of our lives as kin to the fish shaker. This is why she says gratitude is not a natural posture. After all, the sin that set this once perfect world on tilt was the sin of ingratitude, the lie that God wasn't enough. Satan is the ultimate manipulator, and he will often look to play on your weakness in an hour of testing or pain, trying to get you to doubt, question, and blame God in the face of what you're going through. This is why the way to fight back is through gratitude, because thanks makes a way through shattered things. It makes a way because it makes a place for God to grow inside of us, because it's through being thankful that he changes our lives, softens our hard hearts, calms our fears with hope. Like it says in Matthew fourteen twenty, after Jesus had blessed and broken the bread, they all ate and were satisfied. Satisfaction, contentment comes when we say yes to the broken way, when we let the shattered parts carve a path to the Jesus 
who let himself be broken and shows us that is the only road to a surrendered life with him. Maybe a broken hallelujah is all you can give to God right now. Perhaps life is so difficult that all you feel you can offer him is splintered pieces and a heart longing for faith to believe and strength to continue. God receives that just as much as the shout of joy. As David pointed out in Psalm 51:17, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not reject. What you find to thank him for could be something seemingly small or insignificant. The goal isn't the magnitude of the gift in the moment, so much as it's the shifting of the heart's posture toward heaven, turning your tear-stained face to his and saying, I appreciate you being here with me, for being yourself in this hard situation for me. It's being grateful for how he's caring for you on the most basic levels, even as it feels like your world is out of control. Don't dismiss the power of simple gratitude in your everyday life. While the millions center around a single day to be grateful as they pass around the turkey and the pumpkin pie, let's be those who make Thanksgiving a pattern all year long, even when hardships meet us and we feel like God and life are being unfair. Let us do as the writer of Lamentations in chapter 3, 21 through 23. This I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God is often way more good than we give him credit for, and we are way more undeserving than we imagine. Let's let our pain enlarge our ability to say thanks and thus utilize the power of gratitude, giving ourselves greater peace of mind, physical well-being, and spiritual strength. Yes, it's a bit counterintuitive, but it's scriptural, it's scientific, and it's beneficial on all levels. I say it's something we can never practice too much or run out of content to list, and I intend to keep on doing my part to look for God's hidden goodness even in the face of what I go through. And I hope you do also. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, please subscribe to this podcast as well as leave a review. If you want to read additional content, please visit and subscribe to my blog at www.graceopens.blogspot.com. You can also connect with me on social media via Twitter at OpenToGrace2015, Instagram and Parlor at OpenToGraceAlaska, and on MeWe under my name, Katherine Singer. I'll see you in the next episode, and remember, Grace will always meet you where you are.